Chapter 15 of Mystery of the Secret Band by Edith Lavelle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Christmas Morning. Mary Louise laughed out loud when she wakened amid the bleakness of her surroundings in that empty house near Center Square. Oh, how different it was from every other Christmas of her experience! No lovely fragrance of evergreen, no warm fire, no cheery hot breakfast, no presents. But this last fact worried her least of all. At the moment she believed she would give up all the Christmas presents in the world for a plate of sausage and hot cakes. She felt a little stiff from sleeping in her clothing, but underneath the blankets and her fur coat she had not suffered from the cold. And oh, how good it was to see the sun! To be able to walk around in a lighthouse or a dimly lighted one, for even some of the second-story windows were boarded up. She shuddered at the fear that no one might come that day to rescue her, that she might be subjected to another black night in this dismal place. But with daylight to aid her, perhaps she could find a way out for herself, if no one came. She would try not to lose hope. She got up and washed, thankful at least for the water in the house, and she took a long drink. Then she remembered that there was tea in the kitchen, and even though there was no way of heating the water, she could make cold tea and add sugar. Perhaps the sugar would supply a little energy. With her fur coat buttoned up to her neck, she cautiously descended the stairway in the hall. Downstairs it was so dark that she could not even see the outlines of the furniture until her eyes became accustomed to the dimness. There must be candles in the kitchen, she surmised, but I'm afraid it will be too dark to find them. She groped her way out to the kitchen and fumbled around until she touched the dresser. I'd never be able to tell which is sugar and which is salt, she thought except that I can taste anything I happen to find. However, that proceeding might not prove to be so good, she decided, for she had no desire to taste kitchen cleanser or rat poison, for instance. No, it would be better to do without than to take any risks, just for the sake of a cup of cold tea. As she cautiously ran her hand around the bottom shelf of the dresser, her fingers encountered something decidedly rough. For a moment she was puzzled, until she could identify the object. But in a moment she recognized it. Sandpaper, of course. Sandpaper on the outside of a box of matches. Her pulse quickened as she picked up the box, and found that it was full. This was luck indeed. She struck a match at once, and began to hunt feverishly for candles. But she wasted three matches without finding a single one. I can have my cold tea anyway, she thought and with the aid of a single match, she located tea and sugar and a cup. The sink was right beside the dresser, and she ran cold water over the tea leaves. Merry Christmas, Mary Lou, she finally said aloud, as she drank the cold tea through closed teeth, to avoid swallowing the leaves. She felt chillier than ever after she had finished it, but not quite so weak and empty. Lighting another match, she made her way into the living room. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there were an open fireplace all piled up with wood? she mused as she entered the room. There was a fireplace, she found, but it was totally empty. On a shelf over it, however, she came upon a discovery which she had overlooked the previous night. There, right in the middle of the mantelpiece, stood a Chinese vase of the very design which Mrs. Hillard had described. Maybe if I look around I'll find Miss Granger's painting, was her next hope. She examined the picture over the fireplace, a cheap hunting scene, I was just about to turn away when she made another find, which brought a whoop of joy to her lips. In plain view, at each end of the shelf, 
stood two tall red candles. When Mary Louise had lighted one of these, she felt suddenly like a different girl. It was amazing what a change one steady little gleam of light could make. But she was frugal enough to burn only one of them. If she had to spend another night in this house, she would not need to be in complete darkness. There was an upright piano at the other side of the room. Mary Louise stepped over and sat down on the stool in front of it. I'll play a Christmas carol just to celebrate, she decided, and struck the opening chords of O Come All Ye Faithful. She stopped abruptly. What a terrible rattle, she exclaimed. These people must throw their tin cans into the piano when they finish with them. She stood up and examined the top with her candle. Lifting up the hinged half, she peered down into the space beneath. Instantly she perceived a gray flannel bag hanging on the end of one of the keys as if someone had deliberately hidden it there. She snatched it off excitedly, delighted to find that it was heavy. No doubt it contained something metallic, which had been the cause of the jangling of the piano keys. With trembling fingers, she pulled open the string and dumped the contents of the bag upon a chair. Diamond rings, bracelets, earrings, watches, and gold necklaces dropped out before her astonished eyes. A fabulous treasure, such as one reads about in fairy tales or sometimes dreams of finding. Color came to Mary Louise's cheeks, and her heart raced wildly as she examined the articles one by one to make sure that they were genuine. Mrs. Weinberger's old-fashioned timepiece, ornamented with diamonds, was there, and Mary Louise's own dainty little wristwatch, engraved with her name in the back of it, Oh, what a joy it was to have it again! She clasped it affectionately about her wrist. Leaving the jewelry on the chair, she peered into the piano again to see what else she could find. She was rewarded with another discovery. Down in a corner in a remote spot, she saw a small package wrapped in brown paper. She encountered some difficulty in prying it loose, but at last she had it free. Stripped of its brown paper wrapping, she found that she held a fat wad of bills in her hand. Mrs. McGregor's money, she thought immediately, and Miss Granger's, and my own five dollars. How wonderful it all was, to be able to return the possessions to the rightful owners at Stoddard House, to have proof enough now to convict Mrs. Ferguson and her band of thieves, to collect her salary from Mrs. Hillard and go home in time for Max's senior dance. If only she could get out of this house! A feverish sense of impatience took possession of Mary Louise. It was cruel, she stormed, that in her hour of triumph she should be imprisoned alone in a dark house. Wouldn't somebody miss her and come to her rescue? Where was her father? Why hadn't he driven out here to Center Square when he returned to Stoddard House last night and had found her missing? But suppose, awful thought, that he had not returned. Suppose he had missed finding Mrs. Ferguson and had been deceived by that letter of hers into pursuing the woman to Florida. Mrs. Hillard would conclude that he had taken her, Mary Louise, with him when neither returned. A trip to Florida, Mary Louise figured, might consume almost a week. While she waited alone in this dark, cold house, each day itself in eternity of hunger and loneliness and suffering. A hollow laugh escaped her lips as she glanced at the money and the valuables heaped on the chair beside her. They were as little use to her now as Midas's gold. They would neither feed her nor keep her warm. There's no use hoping for release by somebody else, she told herself. I'll have to work out a way by myself. 
I'll have to be a modern Count of Monte Cristo. She stood up and gathered her treasure together again into the bag, and took the Chinese vase from the mantelpiece. Another tour of the room revealed the Whistler picture in a dark corner. With the aid of her half-burnt candle, she carried everything to the dining room and placed it all in a pile beside the silverware. I'll hide the money inside my dress and the jewelry in my coat pocket. These other things I'll drop into that wood basket I saw in the kitchen. When she had finally completed her packing, she sat down in the dining room to think. I believe I'll try to get out the same way I got in, she decided, because the glass is already broken in that window. All I'll have to do will be to cut my way through the new boards which that caretaker, or whoever he was, hammered on last night. With this purpose in view, Mary Louise carried her candle into the kitchen. The drawer in the dresser revealed a poor selection of knives. It might take days to cut through a board with only these as tools. Nevertheless, she meant to try. Anything was better than idleness. Selecting what appeared to be the sharpest in the collection, she returned to the window in the dining room. But she realized immediately that her scheme would not work. The boards were too close together. It would be impossible to insert a knife between them at any place. I guess I'll have to smash the, that bedroom window and jump out, she thought gloomily. It would probably mean a broken neck, but that's better than a slow lingering death. She pulled the dresser drawer farther out, looking only for some other implement to facilitate her escape. Suddenly, her eyes lighted upon a hammer. Not a very large hammer, but adequate enough for the task. Why hadn't she thought of that plan before? It would be lots easier to hammer those boards loose than to try to cut through them with a knife. She picked it up out of the drawer and paused abruptly. There was a slight sound in the front of the house, like the click of a key in a lock. Extinguishing her candle, she waited breathlessly till she heard the front door open. Someone stepped cautiously into the hall. Mary Louise's heart stood still in her excitement. Who was the intruder? Was it the Margaret whom Mrs. Ferguson mentioned in her letter? Or was it the woman herself? Whoever it was, was he or she armed with a revolver? Much as Mary Louise longed to find Margaret Detweiler, she dared not take a chance now of coming face to face with an unknown person in this dark house, since all the valuables were in her possession. Her only desire at the moment was for escape. Silently, she moved towards the door of the kitchen, which led directly into the hall. She heard the newcomer go into the living room, and as Mary Louise crept past the doorway, she saw the gleam of a flashlight. But the person, whoever it was, was hidden from her view, and Mary Louise did not wait to find out who it was. She reached the front door in safety and found the key still reposing in the lock. A second later, she removed the key and slipped out of the door into the clear, cold sunshine. She was free at last! and with a chuckle of triumph, she inserted the key on the outside of the door and turned it, imprisoning the intruder just as she herself had been imprisoned for the last sixteen hours. End of chapter 15